what you waiting for Have a Really thought WWE actually bought BET. You thought Tyler Perry was gonna let that go? Tyler Perry might end up buying WWE. I could see it. I honestly can. Like, y'all you know, think I'm crazy? Like, the writing is the same level of quality at this moment, at least Raw. Like, Raw is basically a, a BET plus lineup. Yeah, who? I mean. That actually might be fire because it's like, all right, so the rumors are right now that they might get bought out or he's trying to sell the company being Vince. It's like, yo, who who is to buy it if it's not Tyler Perry? Like, who are you going to give it to? Guy Fieri? Hey, man, Guy Fieri pull up in the, the red old school every week to let you know what the card is and then drive off. That'd be kind of fire. With a big ass sandwich in his hand. Yeah, man. Everybody got to dress like OT Genesis now. <laughs> oh, that yeah, was, that's, I was going to ask you about your IG story when you said that. I was like, like bro, that shit had me rolling. Because he was out here in like those black, like super cut jeans. I don't know what the shoes were because I didn't see, it, but if he had chucks on, but he had the black fitted shirt, a gold like uh, chain, big link chain. And then he had a leather shirt, not a blazer, not a jacket, a leather shirt. And it was all black. And I was like, there is only one man on earth who dresses like this and is Long Beach's own OT Genesis. So I was like, let me find out Guy Fieri and OT Genesis be kicking it. Because that would be hilarious. Blue hot sauce on my burger. No man, man, they should have a show. They should have a show. OT and that's the, new, that's the new Robin Big, bro. Because like that actually might work. Guy Fury is loud like Rob was, and then you got like laid back. OT well, OT be kind of loud too though. Yeah, but the way because. Guy is a little more laid back in his regular life. Guy only get up for like that for food. So I was like that and Sugar Ray. That's all he can't be my whole fucking flow. Like, like every time I get excited for food too. Yeah. But nah, Guy Fieri and OT Genesis as a show, I need to pitch that somewhere. Uh, You at the right place for it, but nah, you, you probably got to pair him up for that. Yeah. No, no, I need to, I need to figure that out. I got to go to the E network or A and E or something. So, is is guy he signed to the Food Network? He like he got he indie. I don't even know at this point. But Didn't they, he just, let me see because I felt like he just signed some deal or something. I'm surprised Netflix or Amazon ain't snatched him up. Yeah, he owns a restaurant in Vegas, if I'm not mistaken. I think he got one out here too. I think it's in the valley. Let's see. 
it will make sense. Like, bro, if you are this crazy about food, why would you not own restaurants? Oh, he yeah. got a couple of them. Yeah, no, he got joints. He got some but, Florida. He got yeah. Yeah, this, yeah. He like, yo, you think I'm just up here cooking for fun on a TV show? Because drive-ins, because I didn't see grocery games, tour tournament of champions, and big bites. But we all know him from diners, drive-ins, and and dives, right? Yeah, and he does like, what is it, like Iron Chef and some other stuff? Okay, so yeah, I was about to say that. Like, wasn't he doing that like in the two, like 99, 2000? Yeah, because we don't want to see Bobby Flay. Like Bobby Flay, yeah, go stick to your show where you your whole show is dunking on people. You talking about the little Italian man? Yeah, the one who be bringing people on the show to be like, hey, can you cook better than me? It's like, wow, wow. Can I can I just like, I mean, yeah, of course I'm gonna try it out. So that's the dude that be like, boom, every time he he. No, uh, that's Emerald. So- that's okay, that's all I'm saying. My guy Emra, I used to watch him back in the '90s too. That's crazy. Hey, like I used, to- hey, I found out women love Emerald. Yeah, they were like attracted to that man. I ain't know about that. I just thought yeah. Joe Pesci. They used to go crazy because Joe Pesci, little cousin, used to throw that salt. Boom, he used to throw that in there. Ah, they they was really here for Emerald. Like the housewives, he they they wish he could they could he could have banned them. That's all I'm gonna say, bro. That that's crazy. I used to watch the Cooking Network for some reason in the '90s and the early 2000s, and then I switched to Nick. Mm, yeah, yeah, same. Yeah, the elders in the house watched the Food Network, and the the weirdest thing was y'all didn't cook any of this stuff they was trying. Right, and it looked fire. I'm like, man, somebody need to try this. Yeah, I'm like this looked great. I don't even know what half of this stuff is. But I'm gonna try it. Yeah, like right. look, that's a new way to cook pork chops. All right, apparently Guy Fury owns over 40 restaurants. Oh. Huh. Huh. It, it makes too much sense. Like, bro, come on. Like he did he diddy and get him to the Greek. I own 26 kukurus. <laughs> it's kind of like you got to get high on supply, but you got to be on supplier. Not, yeah, he you know what I mean, you can't just be the dealer. Yeah, let me find out. He the Nino Brown of the food world. He might be, bro. Huh. He might be. You I like how. how... A fuck about that McDonald's. Fuck that I am... whole bitch. I am the McDonald's. McDonald's wish they could be me. No. This is the new. I, I like how this is a wrestling podcast, and we just start talking about Guy Fieri. Hey man, that's how you know it's not a lot going on, but there's some topics we got. Yeah. Is he did he host a Raw? Should he be in the WWE Hall of Fame? Yeah, because he probably look, it's some big ass well, not compared to what it used to be back in our day when wrestlers were just swole off that shit, you know, off the off the yeah. gimmick. So yeah. these wrestlers now they're probably like vegans, so they probably don't eat a lot, but still if Listen, if it's me and you hosting Raw, I'm going to hit you up like, hey, bro, how much you charge for just to flip me a burger real quick? You won't say it that way because yeah. it sounds disrespectful like he a, a McDonald's yeah. worker. But you be like, hey, man, 
Let me get one of them infamous burgers. Or let, fuck that. Let me get a coupon to your restaurant. Not a coupon, like yeah. an actual like coupon where I could eat for free. I don't know, like a voucher. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. Can I? Can you slide some notes to catering? Because the eggs be dry as fuck, man. I don't know what to tell them. I've been telling them, you know, don't put it in that fucking pot where you just steam it and keep it warm. Make that shit in person. We need an omelet, man. I've been saying that, but they don't listen to me. Maybe you can go tell them. Oh, hey, Vince, what's up? <laughs> tired of eating this. I don't even know what wrestlers eat. I know they got catering, but bruh. Like, yeah, it's, wrestling catering has to be like all protein. Yeah, it's a bunch of turkey sandwiches and shit. Like, bro, I don't want that. Yeah, like, I think sometimes they might forget they have a production crew, and production crew is just over there. Like, nigga, where is the carbs? Where are the carbohydrates? I and need you sugar. Don't, you don't want to buy a lot of food because, I mean, obviously they got two hundred goddamn wrestlers that we actually don't see. But still, you don't want to buy that much food because, like I said, they all skinny for the most yeah. part. Like, bro, we really living in a different era compared to when we came up. We not that old, but we just remember, like, nigga, the biggest person on Raw is Bobby Lashley, and now is yeah. because they got rid of Braun Strowman is Bobby Lashley, Drew, and Sheamus. That's it. And um, Omas, but he ain't even like he just tall. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, what I mean, it's a, it's like when they talk about basketball, it's the difference between a big man and a tall man. Yeah. Joe Embiid is a big to, man. Shout out to Bamani. Exactly. Shouts out to yeah. the legend. That's where I got that from. It's a different. Jokic is a big man. Very big man. Porzingis? Joe Embiid. It's a tall man. Yeah. That, there you go. Uh, Rudy Gobert. Tall man. Joe Embiid. Big man. Very big man. Well, very big little knees. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. In his knees. Anyways, yeah, wrestling ain't going on. Ain't too much going on. But we did get some good wrestling television. Not so much in the shows, but more along the lines of, you know, real life stuff. Storytelling. Because we got the first thing we're going to talk about is the Bret Hart A&E documentaries, because that was the season finale of this. And. They really knew what they were doing because they say the best for last. The last two was Mick Foley and Bret Hart. And I still haven't watched the Mick Foley one, so we can't talk about that one just yet. But when you get a chance to watch it, we'll talk about it next week because you already know how I feel about Mick. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, But Bret Hart, one of the greatest of all time, if not the greatest of all time. And I think people were very shocked to find out that Bret Hart, 50 Cent, same energy. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> Brett, <laughs> Brett was basically like, "Look, everybody job rule, everybody supreme." Like, mm-hmm. like let's be honest. Knock on wood. If one of his enemies had like a medical emergency today, you don't think he would post the 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 Drago picture the way Fifty did when Ross had to be rushed to the hospital? <laughs> like Bret Hart is not here for the people he hates. Like we could talk about all the inspirational and the other wrestling things, but I think the most fascinating thing was Bret Hart was all about punching people out who deserve to be punched out. 
dude, like he's still keeping the same energy. So whoever's listening, you should go ahead and also just go to in YouTube. You'll search Callum on YouTube, put in Bret Hart shoots. Yo, it's just one particular video that like it's called Bret Hart buries the world. Like, bro, the bars he had about Goldberg and Hulk Hogan, he said, hopefully I quote this accurately. He said, Hulk Hogan is a 10 out of 10 body, 10 out of 10 look, 1 out of 10 worker. That shit had me rolling. Yeah, he's like, not he, wrong. When he really don't like you, he got bars. Like, you know what I mean? When he was cutting his promos, it was all right when he was a worker. I'm like, damn, yeah. you should have brought this energy when you was actually working. Yeah. And you know the cold thing about Bret Hart talking about your work ability? What you going to say back? Right. Like, that's, well, that's the funny what I'm trying thing. to explain to people. Like, bro, like, people see the thing is everybody said he's he's boring, et cetera. I understand that. But because my, my mindset is I like just wrestling. You know what I mean? Or I, I want to say I like pro wrestling. It's a di- distinct difference between pro wrestling and wrestling. So I like drop toe holes, all that shit. That's just me. All right. Yeah, this is why Raven is one of your favorite ever. I say Raven, but Raven was the king of drop toe holds. Yeah, okay, that's what I'm like. Wait a minute, promos. See, that's the thing with him. Promos on ten, his working skills, eh? Yeah, they they, they 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 wasn't all the way there. But that's neither here nor there. But with Brett, it's kind of like all right, he's boring. You ain't say he was bad though. Yeah. Yeah, let me let me, let's put it this way: If your favorite needed to go have a five star match, who you think they're gonna get? Would you rather see him with Hogan bumping meat? Shout out to Big E, <laughs> or or are you gonna see it with Bret Hart? Because for all you wrestling purists who swear, you know, listen that you know who all y'all else say is boring, Randy Orton, and he's a genius. Yeah, like, let, let's keep it real. Y'all keep saying these people who are, like, great technicians are boring or, like, great ring psychology are boring. I don't want to put him in the same category as Brett or Randy Orton, but Edge is also mentioned here. And the thing about Edge is Edge is really good at getting you to care about the match. Yeah. Like, eh, as a re- his work rate, yeah. I mean, when you're next to Randy Orton I mean, and Bret Hart, of course you're going to look like second fiddle. Go do that with Cena. Same thing. But the ability to get you to care, second to none. So with Brett, like, my favorite thing about Brett was, you know, the one thing is he always, like, made sure his family was good because that's something he got from his dad. Even though his dad was out there just, like, (laughs) used wrestling training to just abuse the shit out of people. Like, he was out there hollering. What's like? What's that Hamtaro uh, clip you always see dying? Uh, <laughs> the one I'll be posting. <laughs> ah, ah, ah. That's just people coming from the basement. You going like having breakfast in the morning? <laughs> and just people down there screaming. Yeah, like uh, on the A and E doc that we talk about right now. Yeah, that's exactly what he was saying. He's like people, or I think his sister said it. Whoever said it, he was. People were defecating on each other or in themselves and screaming because, you know, I'm a big Stu Hart guy. He was really stretching people. 
Yeah. Like he putting you like that's some martial arts shit where he just putting you in Vulcan death grips and all that and you can't get out. So th- that's what he was doing. That's what he was known for. And then he came from that 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 era too. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's poverty. Like you coming up in the nineteen twenties, thirties. How was I think he was born nineteen fifteen? Let me make sure. But he was coming up in the era where it's like, hey, bro, we hungry and it's snow when he was a baby and a kid. It, yeah. Like it's 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 Canadian snow. Like it's cold in the motherfucker. It's yeah. cold. We ain't got no food. It don't get much colder. Yeah, than that. It's cold. We ain't got no food. This is that time period. Yo. Cause they said didn't they said in the doc that uh the way he would find food is a little ass slingshot to kill rabbits, like bruh. Yeah. Yeah, we do we do that for TV shows now. That was just his life. Like we do those survival. That's Bear Grylls. Bear Grylls go do that for entertainment. He was Yo, just doing that. He had no choice. It's like how it's like how years ago it used to be like boxers. They used to do it out a necessity. Like you know, back in that time frame, like the 50s, 60s, they had to do it. Cause it was like, bro, this is the only way I know how to really make some money is by whooping some ass. Yeah, it, it's so he he basically had to go. I think he said they said they met. Um, he met their mother, being a hard family mother in New York. So he was like, I, I got to go back and remember how he initially even got to New York if he did all that. But yeah, no, it's 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 it's. Very, very wild to hear Stu Hart's story. And it'd be an interesting one to do that one for him as well. But getting circling back to Brett, the other thing that I think is amazing about Brett that nobody talks about is his ability to just call cap on stuff. Like every one. It seems like everything he calls cap on. Yeah. And nine out of ten times he ain't wrong. Like when the WWE was like, yeah, we're going to buy you. We're going to put all these people in there. We got something for them. And then Brett was like, no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. don't. Don't bullshit me. No, you don't. And then he got there and he was like, oh, we really don't. And then he, he built the Heart Foundation, which I think the most shocking thing from that was to learn that he didn't like pink. Jim Neidhart liked pink. Brett can't stand pink. That makes sense. Yeah. Hey man, Jim Nyhart. He liked that white too. Yeah. 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 I I seen the but video later. I don't want to talk about nobody's dead, but you, it, you know. That, the 80s yeah, that's, are, yeah, that's neither here nor there. But I mean Brett was getting over like he was calling himself the best technical wrestler, and motherfuckers was like, Well, I mean, you know, he is. The nigga's kind of right. Yeah. <laughs> what what are we supposed to say? They was loving him in the tag team, and Vince was like, yo, they really rock with you. You're going solo. And he said something that I really appreciate that I I really hope we get back to, which was, he was like, the Intercontinental title was the title for the best technical wrestler in the business. It was for the workhorse. It was for the dude that went out there and killed himself every, night in, night out. And Bret Hart was that dude because, like, I think, okay, 
go like this is when WWE used to build people through tag teams through the mid card, and then you got by the time you got to the main card, people already loved you. Go count how many workers who have held all those different titles have classics for all those different titles. And I don't mean like matches you like, like legit of this era, this is one of the best matches. Because Brett got like, I don't know about tag team matches, to be fair. But I'm pretty sure he has some like great tag team matches. It's just his singles run was so amazing that it just dwarfed everything he did in the tag team division. I think people forget that he was a Grand Slam champion. Yeah, I think he was one of the first when they started counting it, right? Yeah, and he was like the the Triple Crown Grand Slam champion. Um, And then he gets to the mid-card, and he's having matches with Mr. Perfect and Roddy Piper and all these great technical wrestlers. And he is looking like the best wrestler even in these matches. Like, against Mr. Perfect, you look like the best wrestler ever. Right, which is hard to outwork him. You know, he's on that list, like him and – uh. Owen Hart as well, who, you know, and that's crazy to think about, too, like going on that. It's like Owen Hart on any given day, he was probably better than Brett, just depending on what you needed. Because, you know, Owen could do he could do wrestling and he could do pro wrestling. Yes. And Owen was one of the early adopters of working above the ropes, too. Mm -hmm. Like. That's something that he had. Like when you look at Owen Hart, you can draw a line from Owen Hart to Daniel Bryan. Yep. Like if you want to talk about like I know we talk about like Shawn Michaels and all these other people that, you know, like draw comparisons to Daniel Bryan. Go back and watch some Owen Hart matches and you realize, yo, there's a lot there. Whether it was directly or indirectly. Like the body type, the work rate, the ability to not be like the biggest high flyer, but able to do some stuff off the top rope. Just the the speed that they were able to work. On Hart and Daniel Bryan are like really great parallels. Yeah, and then you also hear the stories about how easy it is to work with On Hart. That w- that's what makes you a great worker. Like with the. With Brett, if you could work with him, you could work with anybody. That that's the whole point. It's just like being a point guard in the NBA. Like, bro, if you can get me right to where I need to be at, we'll win. Yeah. That's what makes yeah. you a great point guard. And in the case of Brett, you know, if you can't work with him, like Goldberg, and you know, I think we'll talk about him as it relates to his documentary too. Uh, and then also, like I said, I think people should listen to the shoot interview when he talks about Goldberg and how Kurt Hannett going back to him, Mr. Perfect. And uh, damn, I lost his name. But yeah, when they talk about uh, another worker as well, and they just talk about how stiff Goldberg is as a worker, like, man, he's slamming me on my damn head. Or <laughs> he damn near broke yeah. my neck. Yeah, so in the case, me. yeah. So in the case of Owen Hart, it's like D'Lo Brown has a great story about how Owen Hart, like, he was nervous to work because uh, I think this is one of his first matches in WWE. He was like, he was nervous to work, and then he tells the story about how Owen Hart basically just got him through the match by just pranking him, untying his shoes during the match, 
and have him focus on the shoes. Like, but he didn't know his shoes kept becoming untied. And he was like, what's going on? And he told him. And then after each lockup, Owen Hart was like, all right, now you ready to work. You loose. You ready to work now. Oh, I didn't know that. I've yeah, never I'll, heard send, that I'll send it to you. But that that's the, the true art of being a great worker. You know what I mean? It's just even if you green, if you are blessed enough to work with a vet like that, like a Brett or on in that time frame, they would get you to where you need to go. All right. So in the case of Vader, like when I tell people, you know, the whole Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart thing, I do it as a work, so to speak. But at the same time, I understand that yeah, Shawn Michaels is great, but he ain't better than Brett in my eye. But when yeah. I think about how, you know, Shawn Michaels is out here, him allegedly and him and the whole click try to get Vader up out of here, Leon White up out of here and in WWF at the time. But then I'm watching matches with Bret Hart working with Vader. It's not a problem. No. No. So it's one of the, and then also too, real quick before I, I'll let you go ahead. So on that shoot interview, Brett goes and talks about Dean Malenko. I feel like this wasn't fair, but I understand what he means. But I don't, I don't think this was kind of uncalled for on this instance. I don't know if they got heat or the reason for this. I feel like it's not fair to Dean Malenko. But he said Dean Malenko, great worker, couldn't draw a dollar. I'm like, bro, that was kind of unnecessary. But maybe they got to smoke with each other. Hey, man, he might be a Lance Storm guy for all we know. Yeah, because it's like – yeah, I probably so because he he throwing through Canadian so. Yeah, so you you might just be like, I mean, you might be looking at Dean Lenico like, yeah, he cool, but Jericho better. Yeah, he cool, but Lance Storm better. The man of a thousand and four holds, holds. armbar. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but um, nah. The main thing you make a great point. That Delo story is a great story. Because that seems like something both he and Brett share because this is the most famous story in the world. But, you know, SummerSlam 92, when it's in London, they had the match all planned out. Bulldog shows up a little <laughs> not prepared to work is what we'll say. Just to be kind. <laughs> I got to see that clip when they talk about that on some podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah Stephen A. Smith was a... Uh, he had some comments about that. Not necessarily, but it was about someone else that parallels Bulldog. Mr. Headman, I'm fucked. Yeah, but let's say, you know, Bulldog just showed up not ready to work, and he had forgotten the whole match. And Brett called the main event, which was like a 40-minute match, live in front of people. And people regard that as one of the best matches of all time. And he yeah. did that on the fly. Real quick. So you it's not a problem to do that. I think people have this this thing where they think if you call a match on the fly, it's bad because you know a lot of lazy people, Hulk Hogan, uh, a lot of lazy workers tend to do that in some yeah. instances and just call stuff on the fly. If you that good, you can do that. If the person has like if you done house shows numerous times with this person, or if you work together. You can do that. That don't. And if you're, oh, yeah, if you're able, like, there's certain people that are just able to tap into the crowd and understand what the crowd wants to see. Like Bret Hart was very good at that. 
Um, Shawn Michaels, Stone Cold, The Rock, Cena. Like, these guys are really, really good at calling matches on the fly because these are people who are listening to the audience as they work. Yeah, because um, it's a compilation. I know Botchamania used to do it a lot, too, where they used to uh, do the segment, you talk too much, and then it'll be John Cena just talking, but you can hear yeah. it. That's yeah. not... A- I'm, it, it's bad because you want to keep the the kayfabe up, even though kayfabe, our podcast is called kayfabe ain't dead. But in actuality, uh, in wrestling, kayfabe is kind of dead. But still, we gon' we ain't changing the name. Uh, but in in the instance you want to keep up the kayfabe that this isn't isn't a work and this is real. But bruh, we watch basketball, football, baseball. Well, I watch baseball. We watch sports. Even though I think pro wrestling is a sport, they call out shit all the time. Yeah. Like basketball, they call out the play and they don't even try and hide it. Right. It's just what you're going to do on the pick and roll. Yeah. It's and up I, to you to figure out what to do. Yeah. And one of the things is I understand if you're sitting fairly close and you hear it, it might take you out. But if you are watching it from television and you are listening for that, you are clearly not into the match. So the best thing you might want to do is just not watch the match or just admit that you're not into it and that that's what's bothering you. Like, cause that'll, that'll alleviate it for you somewhat. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's all I could say, but you know, I ain't even really too mad about anything. Um, when it comes to people calling out matches like that, because I mean, Hey, I can't suplex someone on a on a whim. I can't power slam someone on a whim. Right. It's speaking like I said, I'll send you the video. But yeah, basically they they do the perfect impersonation of everything. But like you said, a forty minute match, and they just call in on the fly. He's just calling out everything the British Bulldog. Like, hey, do this, do that. Yeah. Because yeah. he all you know what I mean he he on he on that that medicine. Yeah. So I, I I'm I'm with it. I ain't mad at it. It's um it's what it is. You know, we getting a Doja Cat album. I just saw that. Anyways. I need it. Yeah, this is June twenty fifth, so Isaiah Rashad better drop on the eighteenth. That's the only chance you got. <laughs> it won't. They gonna knowing them, they they gonna have him drop the same day as Doja Cat. Yeah. They, they didn't even. She didn't even put. You know how hard a flex this is. She didn't even put best friend on it. it she no got. She got some features. She got Young Thug, Ariana, Weekend. She got Jid and uh, SZA. Yo, who is she signed to to get these type of features? I thought she was indie. She. I don't know. I thought she was like with RCA or something like that. Okay, it all made sense. I'm like, yo, you got a budget. Because yeah. as soon as you hear Ariana Grande, you're like, you got a budget. But yeah, no. Nah. Doja Cat is great for her her references and her she is like a an art uh an art nerd who has great pop sensibilities and great references. And when we talk about references, I'm gonna pull that back to Bret Hart because one of the great things about that doc too was Bret Hart is credited a lot with being like the guy who really helped uh at least for like guys like McIntyre of that generation, I'm guessing, 
helped understand in-ring storytelling, in-ring psychology, and really trying to get, like, it's not necessarily about just doing moves. It's getting the audience invested in. And I appreciate that. And that's something that. Now, the last thing we got to talk about is how, you know, how Bret Hart was out there in the streets with Big Sean and all his cousins dapping him up. That was hilarious. I felt like I've seen that video years ago. My man pulled up in a limo, no security, and was just out there. The OGs was loving him. The kids was loving him. Everybody. Everybody was just going to love. He was letting the kids wear the belt. He was taking photos. He was out there in the jeans and the leather jacket. And he was just chilling. He was just chilling. Shawn Michaels didn't let he, – he, he definitely wouldn't let no black kids do that. Scott Hall, though. Scott Hall. Remember, Scott Hall was out there like in Kansas City or somewhere just out there chilling. Oh, when did that happen? I remember the music he came out to. Didn't he come out uh, ECW to No Limit or something like that? No, yes. Westside Connection? Yeah. Like him and Kevin Nash are some different dudes. Because yeah. Kevin Nash, you got to watch out. He'll show up to the cookout and take your mama. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he from Detroit, too. What uh, Stevie Ray said, he know a lot about R&B. I'm like, bro, how you know that? Yeah, like, hmm, okay. Okay, you you ain't the Michael P.S. Hayes R&B lover. You you do. Like, like play some Gerald LaVert and watch him start singing. He'd be like, wait, what? Wait, you think Michael, what R&B Michael P.S. Hayes listening to? I don't know, probably from the 40s. Um <laughs> He definitely dropping in bomb if you listen to the 40s R&B. Yeah, nothing wrong with Cab Calloway, but a white man that loves Cab Calloway and don't like Stevie Wonder, can't trust him. You can't trust anybody that don't like Stevie Wonder. No, absolutely not. <laughs> no, but yeah. Uh, but nah, piggybacking off of that, you know, we got through the Bret Hart stuff was great. There was another show about another wrestler. And while the Bret Hart one had some troubling times and some rough moments, this one was just sad all the way through. Mm -hmm. That is the one. I mean, they talked about, what was it called, like Surviving Grizzly Smith? Was it called Surviving? Or something like that, like. Let me look it up. It, it was an episode that was, and it was referenced to Grizzly Smith. And for those who don't know who Grizzly Smith's father, who is, he is the father to one Aurelian Smith, who is better known as Jake the Snake Roberts. And yeah, Grizzly Smith was a wrestler. Jake the Snake was a wrestler. His two brothers were wrestlers. His sister his was a wrestler. Whole family was working. Problem is, they they had a rough life, man. Like it's it's no other way to say that. All the abuse, all the all the just tough things they went through, traumatic things. Like my me and my brother and my wife was watching it. And my brother just kept saying, like, yeah, I don't know how he's still alive. Bro, that's the same thing I said to you before we came on air. 
Like it, it's it's crazy to think he outlived a lot of people he worked with. Like I'm very surprised he's still here. And I don't know if that's evil to say, but you think about everything he's been through in his life and his drug addiction, etc., and to still be here when all his like we talked about Harry Smith. Harry Smith died at 39. Yeah. Like Jake is 65 years old, bro. It shouts out to DT, DDP too. I was about to say DTP. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> shout out to Little Faith. Like, yeah, Little Faith helped him. I twenty definitely helped him out. No, shouts out to uh, DDP. I gotta watch that documentary again. I love that documentary. Yeah. No, nah, but yeah, he helped Jake Snake. He helped Scott Hall, and I think one of the things that was like, like so. At one point, it was, you know, it's partially uh, an episode about wrestling, but it was more an episode about abuse and trauma and the lasting effects on that. Because the thing that I thought was, and I think most people probably got, was when Jake was talking about the difference between Jake and Arulian, he was like, you know, Jake is who I'm comfortable being. That's who I am most of the time. He's like, Arulian is, you know, still a boy. He hasn't really grown since he's 12 or 13. He kind of stopped there. Like, like you said, that man is 66 years old. So to say like, hey, 43 years ago was the last time my government name, my the person who I thought was my true self had a chance to be themselves comfortably. He had to jump into the character of Jake and do that. Mm-hmm. And even then, Jake wasn't good for him either. Because he said that too. He's like, Jake is fine so long as you have him restrained. He's like, I'm serious. He's like, you can't you can't just let him go out there and do that. Like, and that's, I mean, that's traumatic enough when you got to talk about yourself and like compartmentalize in that way. But. Well, you could tell because it came off a lot in his uh, promos. It's, it's just like being an actor. You know, essentially, that's what he was doing. He was cutting promos like, you know, he was doing a monologue. He could have been a hell of an actor. Yeah. But it's, you could tell it's two totally different people. And you know how they say that basically in wrestling, your personality is you as you turn to 10, so to speak. Yeah. I think with him, it's the opposite kind of. So it's it's something in there that's just it's him, more so the maniacal part, and that probably comes from his upbringing. But but you could just tell over the past couple of years, especially with the DDP documentary or what what they did during that documentary, and how it just showed. You know what I mean? Like he he's a and it's not to denigrate him as a person because we all human beings, but you could just tell like he just is. A, a scared man like not scared man i won't i won't say that but you could just tell man like life has messed him up so bad that he just he couldn't see a other way around so to speak you know yeah. what i mean past the drug and the drugs were a way for him to cope like the fact ddp did that man like that that that's he, he he's honorable for that yeah him and scott hall like he got both yeah. of them out of there out of rough spots and at the we same time, too. Yeah. Like, and that was the thing I thought was, like, shocking is, like, 
So the thing I thought about when I was watching this is I thought about the Tina Turner documentary that came out a month or so ago. Mm-hmm. And one of the things she said about the documentary that she didn't say in there was like, it was not a wonderful life. It was hard. It was painful. The good times did not outweigh the bad. And I really thought about that because we paint a lot of these stories as inspirational and as motivating as uplifting. And one of the things I always wonder is how do they really feel about it? Because the way that was framed was like, even at the end, like for Dark Side of the Ring, it was such a heavy thing that they had to get out of this. Like, we got to have some light at the end of this. Mm-hmm. Because even Jake talks about like, yeah, it's just been like, he like, look, he's been sober for 10 years. So the last 10, which is crazy. Cause he's 65. Yeah. So the last 10 years of his life, I don't even want to say have been like the happiest or best, but it's been probably the most manageable, the yeah. most coherent, like the clearest he's had. But I, I think about that a lot as like, man, like, are we certain, like we use a lot of these stories these hard stories with people who come out through the other side and we say that's an inspiration. That's the way for us to keep going. I always wondered how do we, how do they really feel about this? Do they find themselves inspiring? Do they really this and that? I'm sure they would want people to get out of bad situations. I don't think that's what I'm, I'm, I don't think they would say, yes, stay in that bad situation, but their feelings about their own life. I don't know if it feels like, how we feel, which is like, this is great. This is terrific. It's like, yo, man, you know, he has 10 years he remembers clearly that he clearly remembers. Yeah, because he he said before he's used the drugs. I mean, like most people to cope with their reality. You know, you, you try to run from you, but you is you everywhere. So you can't run too far. So in this instance, it's just kind of like, you know, the, maybe it's a moment of clarity now for the past 10 year, 10 years about life overall and how it's just like, all right, I'm here just to deal with it because it's just like, once again, he didn't die. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I don't know how much he was using, but still, once again, it goes back to what we were talking about off air. A lot of these yeah. people that died, steroids and probably Steroid. red meat. Steroids and red meat and bad dieting because well red meat because you're on the road so much. So you're gonna yeah. go get you a cheeseburger, you're gonna and take then, your steroids to help your body recover, and you working out four yeah. hours a day. And we need the pain, you need the pain to go away right now. So now we're gonna throw in some alcohol, we're gonna throw in some painkillers, and you a time bomb, man. Yeah, your heart is like hey, big fella, any moment, big fella. Whereas yeah. with him. He didn't do no steroids, but he was doing everything else we named. Yeah, and he well, was he was getting busy on the road too, and that yeah. that's that's before condoms was a thing because he yeah. got a couple kids. Oh no, no condoms was a thing. He just didn't care. Jake was out here looking for the bitches. He didn't he didn't worry about he didn't worry about the roids because he was like he's like six five, and he was like a natural two thirty. He was but already still, big, it, but like, it was he, a lot of guys like that. But they were still trying to get cut swole. If that that's makes true. sense. But he didn't, he didn't come up through bodybuilding and things like that. Like, he wasn't 
it, it, it goes back, not to cut you off, I apologize, but it goes back to what Bret Hart was saying in this uh this whole shoot interview compilation. He was like, he's like bodybuilding ain't a sport and just like being a runway model, like what does that mean for you if you're in pro wrestling? You know what I mean? It's, it's it goes to that. Cause you know, what I mean, you hear like the iron sheets and you hear everybody else talk about these bodybuilders that got into wrestling and they get put over, but they can't work. Like the ultimate warriors, like the Hulk Hogan's. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can, you can't even really say that about sting because sting. Yeah. He was a physique dude, but he was a wrestling nerd. Like that's what he was about. Yeah. He actually, I mean, that's, when they was up here getting on Ultimate Warrior on that last dark side of the ring, Jim Cornette said it too. He was like, at least he want at least Sting wanted to learn. That was the main thing. Like he was a bodybuilder, but at least he wanted to actually learn and he did get better. Whereas yeah. Ultimate Warrior, just you know what I mean. It goes without saying. I don't need to say nothing else about him. But yeah. And even with Sting, there was like at a certain point, he was like, Okay, I can lose some of this muscle. I don't need all of this. Thank you. You you said the same thing I was about to say. He then went down. It's like, bro, I don't need to be walking around 260 right now. Like, let me yeah. get down to about 250, 240, 230, somewhere around there. That's straight. I don't need to be all that swole. And it showed. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, all I can say is, like, those rough lives, man. Like, even when you think about Brett, like, there was a, a pocket for him, like, you know, he gets he gets his head kicked off by Goldberg and he's almost like his career is over. To a dude who can't work. Like legitimately, like a dude who can't work. And then, you know, his brother dies and now his health is declining. His father is dying. His mother is dying. You know, he's he still has these feuds all over here. You know, he's getting calls to come back and work with work with Vince and do all these other things. Vince is like wants to honor him and all these other things. And when it comes time to honor him, like he just doesn't want to show up for things and he doesn't this and that. And then when he decides to come back, because now his, his niece is in the business is out here working. His uh, nephew-in-law is out here working. Davy boys is out here working. So his other nephew is out here working, you know, now he has to figure these things out, and now there's the pressure of okay, you got to forgive Sean. And to his credit, it seems like he actually forgives Sean because of all the people when he talks about and he takes shots at, he don't ever say nothing too bad about Sean because it seemed like Sean did a lot of apologizing. Because to be fair to Sean Michaels, when he came back and he got himself clean and got himself right. He did do a lot of apologizing to people that he had wronged in the past. I don't know if he did it to everybody, but a lot of people, and he'll admit this himself. He's like, I was a terrible person. Absolutely. But it's, it's all about accountability, man. Yeah. Now, the one thing I'll, I'll say to finish up these episodes is I just hope for their remaining years, Brett and Jake have some happiness. It looks like Brett has had some, with his family and his wife and just being able to talk to people about wrestling. I hope yes, Jake has gotten it. Everybody else. He said, fuck you too. He yeah. keeping that same energy. No, it's fuck yeah. you today and tomorrow. Yeah. yeah, no, it's still, he's still, it's the 50 cent energy is still there. Like the, it's weird to find out the heart foundation was the original G unit. 
but you know it's um but with Jake especially man like I know he's working over there in AEW he looks like he's having a good time so I just you know hope they get some happiness in their last years because they ain't young men no more so however much time they got left you know I just hope it's good time hey I got a transition for us. Are we done on this topic? Yeah. Okay. Can we add? Can we add AOP to this list? As far as workers being let go from WWE and they really don't have anything to say, because this culminates with the dirt sheets. Hey, bro, I block a lot of accounts. I said this to my brother before we came on air. So the accounts that I do block for, for the most part is just be jokes because I always post it. It's hilarious. But some of these people, I just block because I really don't like you. Uh, TJP, I, I got you blocked for a reason. I don't know if you'll ever hear this, and I don't give a fuck. But it's, it's a lot of people I got blocked. Mostly it's wrestling accounts. I got a new rule. Every time a dirt sheet say something about they lying on a wrestler name and a wrestler come out and say, no, this isn't true, or a right source says it's not true, I'm blocking you. In the case of these people, whoever, I'm going to find your account and block you that said AOP is done. And the guy from AOP just came out and said, ain't done yet, bitches, because it was rumored uh, a couple hours ago that AOP was done wrestling. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, we got to take this time before we get too heavy into this subject. We got to take this time to send uh, nothing but love and well wishes to Leo Rush, who apparently at this moment and for what it seems is done with wrestling after injuring himself at double or nothing. Um, real unfortunate injury, man, but I'm glad it got him this time to reflect. And if nothing else, I'm glad that his last appearance was in front of a crowd and they popped heavy for him. Absolutely. Like, so whatever he wants to do, like we was joking that he should get on iCarly season two remake. He should. But yo, but yo, man, I would love to see him in some sitcoms because he got that personality. And he a little man. Little men are always funny in sitcoms. He, bro, he he bought five, five, little swole, little muscle, little Nate Robinson. Yeah. He got, the, he's, he especially got the voice. He needed to do some cartoons. Man, and he can do his own stunts. Money. Bruh, go get that money. He just did uh motion capture for WWE 2K22. Go get that money, bruh. That's, like, that's wild. WWE was like, we got to let you go because of budget. But, hey, come back because you so cold. You got to start doing all our movesets for everyone. Go ahead. Go ahead and get that get that money, bruh. Like, because yeah. you, you, can, you can definitely do that. You don't. Yeah, you don't need pro wrestling. Like you, you, yeah. you don't need pro wrestling. You straight. You, you know what I mean. You got your mentals in order. You only twenty five years old, which is crazy to say, but hey, it, it's a physical sport. It is. You got the family, seem to be happy. Whatever you do, man, we rooting for you. You live uh, in L.A., so obviously, you know what I mean. Not counting this man pockets, but he's straight. If you live in L.A., yeah. And moving on to that, so. When we get back to AOP, well, essentially what we're talking about when the dirt sheets, I mean, the first thing, other thing I heard with the dirt sheets is there was rumoring today that Brock Lesnar not going to be there for 
uh, SummerSlam and I was seeing this on What Culture. And What Culture had the same reaction that I had. It was like, it is June 9th. Vince ain't thinking about SummerSlam right now. That Vince is trying to, how they trying to know today. Yeah. Like, and like, come on. Like, are we really sitting here pretending like things don't change? Things change all the time. They change it right now. Yeah, it don't make no sense to report on any of that stuff. It made you no know sense. How, you know how Vince moved with his booking decisions? What I feel like doing today. Yeah. All right, bet. Oh, I feel yeah. like having Aleister Black kick the hell out of Big E. Bet. And then yeah. let him go tomorrow. For sure. That's what I'm going to do. The other thing is, I think I forgot someone who said this. was Basically, it was like, yo, Vince gets very hangry because supposedly that's the reason Tyler Breeze never got over it's because <laughs> Vince was hungry. He was irritable. Tyler Breeze accidentally bumped into him and said, I'm sorry. And Vince was like, bury him. Who said that? Bush? <laughs> I don't know. But hey, no, no, how, you, how they know? It might have been a worker who was standing there talking to Vince. But the funniest thing is. What does that Does that sound? Does that sound like? Not plausible when it comes to Vince at this moment. Actually, it does. You know why? Yeah. Because remember when uh Titus O'Neil bumped yeah. it to him just to show him love and he got suspended. All right, I, I kind of believe him now. Yeah, so it's like like it sounds crazy, but it's like, I mean, you know, like sometimes you just notice hangry behavior. But yeah. now nah, what what we want to get into is the thing everybody want to get into, which is let's talk about Alistair Black and Carl Anderson's responses to being fired from WWE. Now, Alistair Black has been very kind. He's been very gracious because that's just seems like the type of man that he is. He is a uh, where isn't he from like Sweden or Amsterdam or something like that? Uh, Amsterdam. Yeah. European man. Very kind. He's always seemed like a very gracious man every time I've seen him on Up, Up, Down, Down. You don't really hear too many stories about him being a jerk backstage or rubbing people the wrong way. Seems like a decent dude. So he's been very, you know, kind. And people have gone on like, hey, man, you ain't got to defend WWE like this. You ain't got to defend WWE like this. And he was like, I'm not defending them. This is how I really feel. There's some argument to like, you know, hey, WWE didn't really treat you properly. Yeah, we all know that. I think he knows that. Like, like it's not how I put this. Who just think of someone who you think isn't as good as Aleister Black that's in WWE or was at, on in WWE at the same time as him. Outside of Elias, everyone, any person you're thinking of has had more success on the main roster than him. Right. So, like, it's not hard. Like, someone brought up the point that he was undefeated for a year and then he just lost on a, reg, a reg, random old Raw and then he was off TV for a while. True. They didn't have much for him. And then when they got something for him, budget cuts. 
or so we say. We don't really know, but that's what they're telling us. So the dirt sheets is in a weird spot because they don't know. But also when it comes to WWE, we don't know what they're telling us. <laughs> we don't know if that's true. And that's what I'm saying. Like, this is a conglomerate now, multi-billion dollar company, probably about to be sold to a multi-billion dollar entertainment company. Like, bro, how do you know? And then it's like, that's why I'll be asking people about certain things in life these days. That's what I've been doing for the past year. Yeah, this and this and this. How you know? Yeah. And what it matter? Like, when people used to ask, you think the earth is flat? How you know? And why do you care? What you gonna do, jump? The earth is flat. Okay. All right. Move on. Let's move on. Like, come on. Like, I ain't about to sit here and entertain everything. But so that was Alex. I'm sorry, yeah. brother. Real quick. That's essentially what these dirt she's trying to do. Like, I know y'all not getting paid off this bullshit. You can't. You no. simply cannot get paid off this being a reporter of, of it's like, all right, bro. They get paid in TMZ to be nosy. All right, these people get paid for this. You just saying this shit just because you want a fantasy book. That's essentially what these dirties are. They fantasy booking like this WWE 2K21. You Man. you creating players, you creating situations. All right, bet WWE Universe on the game. Cool, yeah. bro. Like, hey, why you want everybody be mad? At, why you want everybody be mad at Vince? Like, bro, you know he ain't the only person, right? He called the shots. He make the final decision, but he ain't the main. He's not like the person. Who make all the decisions? Like they think this dude cleans up, he get people wars all together. Yes, he makes the final decision, but you go, you got to go through all these producers, you got to go through Bruce Pritchard and all that for these decisions. Yeah. And then why you want to be mad? Like if the man saying I didn't have a bad time, they straight. Maybe he's yeah. saving face too because his wife was at the PC. Maybe she coming back, so you can't yeah. be out here like fuck them all the way. And then if you if he seems like if you a person of class if you have some type of heart if if it's something you didn't fuck with you'll say blatantly man that shit was trash you know how many jobs i quit and i buried them yeah and lied on my resume which brings us to carl anderson so if people hated alistair black being kind the pendulum was the other way for the hatred when carl anderson said i'm just gonna read it because when they asked him about it, his, his response was this. We know what it's like to get canned from WWE. Here's the advice I would say. Enough of the thank you tweets. Give me a fucking break. When you get canned, let it go. How about hashtag fuck off? I don't think less than 24 hours after being fired, take a second. And there's ellipses. Take a second to take a breather. Take it easy with the thank you bullshit within 24 hours. Breathe it in. Take it all in for one second. Put together a plan of attack before you start thinking, start thanking all these motherfuckers that fired you because people give Jim Ross a lot of heat. But I have respect for Jim Ross because when we got canned, he said there's a reason why WWE decided not to do business with these individuals anymore. It's as true as it can get. And thank God we made the most money we've ever made in our lives this past year. And that's after WWE. So. To. Very different sides of approaches to their release to WWE. And the thing is, they're both right. That's my take on it. Like what Alistair Black is doing, 
what Carl Anderson is doing, if you somewhere in the middle, hey, man, you are absolutely right within your rights to talk about your job that you just lost, however the way you want to talk about the job you just lost. Because I didn't lose that job. They did. Right. So, like, I can get Carl Anderson coming off as annoying because Carl Anderson seems like an annoying guy. So this might be just a messenger versus message thing. But Carl Anderson saying, hey, you ain't got to be thankful. You damn right. They didn't do you a favor. They signed you because they liked you. This was a mutually uh, beneficial thing. So you got to sit here and pretend like, oh, man, you know, they really took this on me. They took a chance on me. You took a chance on them. Everybody know what that what it's like over there. We didn't heard the stories. People know what it's like behind the state, behind the scenes. We've seen some of the things that have happened. We've heard some of the things that's happened. Not all of that's true, but some of it is. You know what you signed up for. It's like with any yeah. job you go to. Yeah, they're going to pay you X amount of money, but you know what you signed up for. It's the same thing that's been happening. I hate when people surprised by something that's been going on for years. Like, that's one of my biggest pet peeves in life. Like, if you're surprised by a certain action, a certain thing that's happening, and it's been happening for 30 plus years, like, bro, you can't change what is already meant to be yes. or what is already is. Like, you can't change it. So, you understand people have been burying that company every time they leave for the most part. Like, Alistair Black, him saying that was a sign of relief because it's like, damn, bro, like, finally somebody says something because we get every story. And it's not to say, like, you know what I mean? Like, these people aren't wrong when they say, man, fuck them and we didn't get treated right. But it seemed like everybody leave and they just get real privilege. Well, you see the people that leave for the most part. They, they just leave and they feel real privileged. And for the most part, they're not that good anyway. What's this? Zach Ryder out here showing up at GCW, jumping around, saying something about WWE every chance he get. Bro, you was trash. Trash. I would gladly have Zach Ryder back and replace him with Jackson Riker because they gave Jackson Riker a haircut and he just looked like a swole Zach Ryder now. Or not even swole, just a veiny. A veiny Zack Ryder. Yeah, the dirt she said that apparently he's getting a push for a baby face. And it's like, we we kind of already know that. Yeah, but yeah. guess what? It ain't going to work when the crowds come. Maybe they... See, the thing is, sometimes I feel like the shit they do, they do it on purpose yeah. in a way to bury you or to get you over. Sometimes it's actually a plan. Sometimes. Yeah. I use that term loosely. All this that's going on with the best thing in pro wrestling right now being Roman Reigns, this is thought out. You you can't make this now. This shit you can't make up on the fly. No, this some this some TV type shit that be going no. on. It's very good. Now, the one thing I will say is there is clearly a plan for Roman Reigns, and they are executing it. You know who there was also a plan for? Lana. They had a plan for her. They had a plan, and all of a sudden. It just poof and disappeared. So sometimes, and that's that's how WWE is. That's how I mean. That's how wrestling is. To be fair, yeah. like some sometimes they just hey they just move off of it. Like I remember in AEW when Brandy and uh, Awesome Kong was out here scalping white women, and <laughs> <laughs> they just like the crowd wasn't responding to it, so they just moved off of it. 
which I felt like they should have kept going because they should have let these women know you ain't got the good hair. We got the good hair. Exactly. Yeah, they let her go too, but she, I don't know. I think she just wanted to do something else because that happens a lot. Yeah. Shout out to Torrance Legend, by the way. But yeah, it, it, it's, she, she seems to every company is just like, it's always something. Maybe she just don't like, I'm going to take her side. Maybe it's just she don't like dealing with the bullshit. But I didn't hear her. You know what, too? I don't be, I don't really hear the women say anything bad when they get let go from the company. No, like, like they, thank you. I miss my friends. Ruby Riot yeah. said, I'm going to miss my friends. Like, yeah. that's the response for the most part. Yeah. The one who got done the dirtiest and who wasn't quiet about it was Mickey James because Mickey, it didn't even seem like, like the most personal thing she was annoyed by was the trash bag thing, which is disrespectful as shit. Yeah. But the thing I think she was more annoyed by was the fact that they just weren't taking any woman on the card fairly seriously. Like, if your name wasn't one of the, the top names, they didn't take you seriously. And I think that was her big gripe, which was like, she was more about like, look, it ain't necessarily got to be me, but you got to get some new women over. And they was just like, nah. Yeah. And that's where the idea came from, from the women's evolution to pay-per-view. And yeah. a lot of people think that's the main focal point. I don't think that was the main focal point of her getting fired. It was the main thing of, like you just said, now nah, y'all might want to put some other women up here. Because you got a yeah. lot of them, but you keep going with the same four or five, which I agree with, even though they're great. But you can switch yeah. the shit up and yeah, have and to, Lacey Evans at catering because nobody want to see that shit. Yeah, and to WWE's credit, Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair are the champions right now. No disrespect to that. However, who are their first rivalries? Well, Bianca is Bailey, and they ran that back three times. And I don't have no disrespect for that because, hey, man, at um, Backlash, they had probably my probably the second best match of the night, if not the match of the night. Yeah, because that triple threat was fire, and that's his last match in WWE. And that yeah. was low-key his, low his best match, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, And there's no disrespect to Bailey. It's no disrespect to Bianca. It's no disrespect to Charlotte or Rhea. And I understand this is the first rivalry because you need your established, you need someone established to help the young person get over. But we're already looking at Bianca running it back with Sasha, which is good. What happens after that? What's next? They they flip the coin. Yeah, who's next? Are we calling up people? Are we like are we going to let this thing with Carmella go through? Because that Bianca, I'm. Bianca versus Carmella could be a good one-off pay-per-view rivalry. What's what's who's winning money in the bank? Is it Charlotte? Is it Oscar? Is it Bailey? Is it Sasha? Is it Shayna? Is it Alexa? Like who's winning? Because almost everyone I named has been a former champion and hasn't established like already has a Hall of Fame career for the most part. Like Bailey, Hall of Famer. Charlotte Hall of Famer, Sasha Hall of Famer, uh, Alexa Hall of Famer. They've been killing it for the last half a decade plus. So what Mickey was saying was like, hey, I'm already a Hall of Famer. But we got to do something more than just the championship picture with the women. Like we need mm-hmm. like. I don't love the Shayna Alexa stuff. But hey. 
if it's going to lead to a rivalry that does not center around a title, I'm fine with that because we don't get a lot of those in women's wrestling when it comes to the main, the main uh, promotions. Like WWE is guilty of it. AEW is guilty of it. Impact is guilty of it. And you got two of the smaller ones, Ring of Honor and NWA, trying to push forth women, trying to get new women there. Because the big thing now, what it looks like evolution and the women's evolution was, it was just to make AJ Lee look like she was tripping. And now it don't look like she was tripping. It looked like she was right. right. But to get back to the Carl Anderson, Alistair Black thing is, yeah, I I don't understand if anyone's mad that the business is the way that it is. Like, I think the one person that got released from WWE that has a legit gripe was Rusev because that man was over and they just didn't care. Mm-hmm. Like, he was selling more shirts than everybody at a certain point for months on end, and they just didn't care. The crowd was popping for him. Even when he was injured and he came back, they popped for him. And they just didn't care at all. So it makes sense. Like he didn't even, I don't know if he necessarily got released. He just didn't resign. Yeah. And I can't blame him because he was like, look, if I ain't going nowhere when I'm popping, why well, I got to resign to get a push. Why is that the incentive to get a push? I'm good. Right, right, right. Yeah. So you are right. Like, you know what it is. You can't be surprised by what it is because you know what the business is. You know how this man gets down. So you can, you know, when you get released, you can be gracious. Or you can say, fuck that job. Because who of all of us have not lost a job that wasn't great, but wasn't bad and didn't respond? Man, fuck that job. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's just a, it's a double spectrum of it. You know, you got people that really enjoy their job and they get let go and they like, damn, I wish it would have went longer, but it is what it is. And then Carl Anderson, like, man, fuck that job. I don't give a fuck about none of that. That pay was straight, but I'm getting more now. So it's one of them things. Yeah. And to be fair, when he got released, he didn't go on this big rant either. Like, I don't remember too much about him complaining about his time in WWE. I think he was just looking at it like, Y'all all don't really feel this way. Some of y'all are madder than what you're saying. And it's okay to be mad. Right, right, right. No, that, that's what I'm saying. It's just however you felt at that moment, that's how you feel. Yeah. Everybody had different experiences with the company before. You feel me? Yeah. But, you know, it, uh, that, yeah, I just found it funny that, you know, Alistair Black was being thankful for the, his time in WWE, and everyone's like, "Give me a fucking break!" And then Carl Anderson was like, "Y'all don't have to pretend like it. y'all loved to loved it if y'all really hated being let go." And everybody's like, "Give me a fucking break!" And I was just like, "You know, they both have a point. <laughs> you can be thankful, or you can be like, that was some bullshit." And Hey, man, you ain't wrong because, like I said, anyone who out here who complaining about you being thankful for your time at a job or being mad about being let go from a job, 
they ain't the ones that lost that job. Exactly. Yeah. But anyways, what's the next topic? Fuck that job. If you don't like it. New Japan uh, Pro Wrestling Dominion. Is this the shortest New Japan pay-per-view event you've ever watched? Absolutely. It was only three and a half hours. <laughs> and it flew by, bro. I literally said, yo, we actually are finishing under five hours? Let's go, bro. Turn it up. I, I feel you. Like, it was a great way to start off because we had Hiromu lead us in, and he always comes out with the killer fits. You know I call him the Playboy Cardi of wrestling. Yeah, because he, he, he he's the, definitely vamp like. Yeah, he had he had the fit on. He had the the blazer with the sunflowers going down the, the spine. I I was feeling that. I was digging that. Um, nah, but the match card, like honestly, there's only like two matches I was really interested in. Like you had the Bullet Club versus Chaos, and that was cool. Bullet Club ended up winning. That was dope. Yeah, LRJ versus Suzuki going in a six man. That was fine. I was just there to set up a tag team match between Sonata and Naito and Zack Saber and Tai Chi. I get it. You had Desperado versus Yo. And does anybody lose more than Rapungi 3K? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like they are the most over jobbers in all of wrestling. Like the, the thing is with New Japan, they, they pro wrestling, so it's like, yeah. all right, we'll, we'll keep it pro wrestling, which is fine, yeah, and that's cool, that's very cool. Um, but now, nah, I mean, you have the Jeff Cobb, Kota Ibushi match, which Jeff Cobb is getting better at wrestling in New Japan, I think he's mm-hmm. starting to figure it out. Stay healthy because you know, I you know what? When New Japan, like I said, I think we talked about this yesterday, ain't no staying healthy, you just kind of go through it, you just just feel the pain. There's no way you're healthy and you do a six hour pay per view every day, no. And which brings us to the main event, which was a singles match between Shingo Takagi versus Kazuchika Okada for the vacant IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. Because Will Ospreay had to drop the title due to neck problems, which he's had neck problems before. So I was like, man, hope you good. There's rumors about him being in NXT UK, but once again, dirt sheets. Y'all don't know what y'all talking about. Exactly. And I'm not going to, what culture ain't talking about it. Yeah. Like why would the dude who is the champion in the second biggest promotion in all of the wrestling world, Drop the belt to go work on NXT UK. They ain't letting him beat Walter. Ain't nobody watching no goddamn NXT UK. Nah, we watch Walter when he got a title match or when he on NXT Takeover. Hey, bro, I can't tell you the last time I watched NXT UK. And it don't be bad. It's usually pretty good. Where do we watch it at? That's the problem. I don't know where you watch it at. You gotta watch it on Peacock now. It's on there? It's on there. 
Bro, I don't know what's on there because that app is so trash. Like, I watched NXT uh, in your house, and we'll get to that 2020 last year. The one that happened last year, obviously, because it was 2020. But I, I, I went to it, and I felt like I had to look for that because everything is in season. So I'm like, I go to NXT UK, and what season do I look for? Yeah. No. I don't know. I can't even tell you. But now, the thing about the, the main event I was surprised with, I thought it was Okada time. Nah, you, New Japan swerved us. They went with Takagi. And I ain't necessarily mad at it, but come on, bro. I, you got to go that way. First of all, Okada and Joe and B got the same knee cartilage, zero. So is it, you don't know how long Okada has, and he's our age. Like, literally, he's our age or my age. But you don't Takagi know. Takagi is 40. Yeah, give, they love their old workers. That's what I do give them. They'll give their old workers like a shot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think this is his only first or second time having the new IWGP heavyweight this championship. Is, this is his first time. Um, the one thing I can say is he was killing it in Dragon Gate for years, apparently. Yeah. So I guess this is like to pay homage. And he's. He's big in Japan. Like my my knowledge of him pales in comparison to what the people of Japan probably think of him. Like they, he's probably like a huge star, and and definitely is because he just won the title. But he's a, a huge star over there, so <clears throat> I don't want to disrespect him in that way. But yeah, I I was surprised. But one thing I can say about New Japan is. They are not afraid to to steer away from old faithful. Yeah, I think they try to give their best, a flowers in that sense. You know, you're like, man, he's forty years old. Give him the title shot. Because yeah. this is this year is the first year I can recall in a while where they actually kept switching the title back and forth. Obviously, because Will got hurt, and you know, you you went with that move earlier this year, but. You know, it seems like they switched the title in this past year more than they ever did before. Okada, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Ibushi had it, Naito had it, Evil, Evil. So yeah, they've been switching the title more than ever in the yeah, past been, year. They have been hot shotting, um, and it doesn't even necessarily feel like hot shotting because they'll like let them run with the bell for like three, four months and then take it off. But that's a lot for New Japan because usually you get like two at most in a year. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the year before, it was, it was, um, it was Tanahashi, it was Jay White, it was Okada. So they they've had three before. It's just I think this year is like I mean this part of this is due to injury, but it's been like five. Mm-hmm. Um. But, you know, I, I'm fairly, I'm fairly uh, interested in this. I'm fairly uh, curious to see where they go with this because Naito is the leader of LIJ. And I thought, man, what's Sonata got to do? Hmm. Like, how much better he got to get? Because maybe he just don't got it. I mean, 
So maybe they don't on? see it. Because I, I got to catch up and I got a lot of time. Like I said, I'm I'm, I'm not watching. I, I'd rather watch six-hour pay-per-views. Even though I'm trying to get off that narcotic when New Japan. Uh, I'd rather watch six-hour pay-per-views than watch jazz games. So what's going on with Jay White? He in the contract negotiations again? Yeah, it seemed like I don't I don't understand, but I don't think he's necessarily re-upped. I think he's just might be there. Like and they trying to get they trying to get the figures in order, right? Because I don't I, I wanted him to come over here, but nah, just stay over there, bro. Yeah. Cause it's like, gonna be too many people trying to pull you in too many directions and it ain't gonna go the way you 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 it should go for you. It's a little too busy over here for the big ones right now. Like, yeah, WWE is is like as much as I would love to see you in NXT. That's really it. That's really it. Um, because what was I gonna say? It like the main roster stuff. Like it's it's clear right now that Drew and Roman are the focus, and that, I don't. I don't blame WWE for that. Vince loves his six foot five, two hundred and fifty pound dudes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Jay White, you're really gonna be competing with Seth Rollins, and that's Roman's friend, bro. Pack it in, right? Like, not only that, the New Day like him. Not saying that they wouldn't like you, but they already like him. That's Becky's husband. Mm-hmm. He got a lot more clout over there. So, you know, if you if you'd be cool with just being in matches with Cesaro on main event week in, week out, hey man, go get that money. But you were right. Stay in New Japan. Yeah, it's not you can't benefit anything over here. You know what I mean? No. Like it, it doesn't benefit you at all. No, just go there, go back to, is he from New Zealand or Australia? I forget. Yes. No, I think New Zealand. I should look it up, but let's just say yes. Okay. But, um, no, that's really it when it comes to Jay White. Now, Okada, on the other hand, it's time to come to NXT, bro. It's time to come to NXT. I don't need you on the main roster. I don't care about none of that. But it's time to come to NXT. It's time to have your your five-star NXT matches. It's time to go over with Johnny Gargano and realize, yo, I can do good 15-minute matches over here? I ain't got to go 38 minutes over over here no more? We might need you to do it time in and time out. But you don't mean every night, right? No. why, why, Why would we do that? So this kind of goes back to the rumored thing that's going on about uh, the New Japan acquisition. I'm messing up on that word. Yeah, let's just use that instead because I don't want to get bodied. All right, (laughs) I'm trying to body myself by using a big word. Uh, But the New Japan WWE whole deal, and that was a rumor, but. You know, it, it, it went fast, but at the same time, I heard something this past week or last week about that probably being true. But, you know, once again, it's all speculation. So, you know, 
we talked about it briefly, I think off air like last week or so, about how people think we're going to get these matches Okada against Roman Reigns, Randy Orton, etc. like that. I think even if that doesn't happen, this deal doesn't happen because it's probably not going to go that way. It benefits, even though New Japan definitely doesn't need WWE and WWE doesn't need New Japan, it does benefit each other in a sense with with, with Okada, I, I think I said it last year, like, yeah. I mean, why not come to the WWE real quick, get some money and leave? You know, it was rumored that he probably was going to try to go to Impact or something like that. Just yeah. just because at this age, like, I mean, if he's doing it for the money, get you a bag in America. But that that's a lot to ask, too, of these workers. Like, yeah, it's less on your body, but, man, that's thousands of miles away. Yeah, that, that, that's 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 far to fly. It is. Um, the only thing I would say is, I mean, come to WWE unless AEW and Impact will pay you a similar amount for less events. Because right, you, you, you have your health in order. Yeah, and like, dude, you're making more money because you don't have to travel as much. You know, you can relax a little more. You can, you know, really rehab your body. In the ways you need to, because there are a few points that I like to agree with Jim Cornette about. It's one of the few that I actually agree with him on. He was talking about back in the day, and I hate the back in the day stuff. But once again, this is one of the few things I agree with. He's talking about back in the day, we used to fake kick the shit out of each other. And you can see it. The punch would miss. Like, go back and watch some of that old... Go back and watch Steamboat versus Savage. You can see the punch is missing. You could see them purposely when they drop on each other. They don't really drop that hard on each other. They're not trying to hurt each other. They're not trying to knock the wind out of each other. But what you see is a crowd that is into it and believes every single moment of it. Which Cornette then respond, you know, pivoted to say, you look at now, people are really beating the shit out of each other. And the crowd right. is bored. Like, when you really think about that, it's New Japan matches out there where they get the polite clap and they are killing each other. Like, I was talking about this on the Double or Nothing thing. Cody and Anthony Agogo were out there really slapping each other. And they gave that match the polite golf clap. Right. They're doing all these things just to get a pop. And it's, it's yeah. sometimes it doesn't. It's just the subtle things it, that gets you pops. Yeah. You don't Whereas, necessarily have to kill each other. But, you know, that that's where we are because a lot of people are trying to integrate uh, more. So I, don't, I wouldn't say shoot. Because, you know, the UFC is popular more than ever. I don't know if people are trying to integrate a shoot style into pro wrestling these days, but I don't think that's going to work with a lot of these guys. No. Whereas, like, one of the biggest pops on Double or Nothing was Kenny Omega hitting Pac with five belts. Pac didn't, get, didn't bleed. It wasn't real shots. But it was just the insanity of watching someone hit someone with five championship belts that it popped the crowd. It was clearly fake, but they loved it. It's clearly fake, but they loved it. Right. 
Whereas some of the more real stuff, sometimes they love it. But really, hey man, the important thing is just getting people to care. Like all those death matches and stuff, GCW, CCW, with Nick Gage and the like. Yeah, it's violent. Yeah, they're really hurting each other. They also have the crowd into that. That's the crowd that's into that type of stuff. So, all I'm saying is, hey, maybe we should get back to uh, a little bit more of, like, this can be fake. You don't actually have to hit each other. You don't actually have to try and knock the dude out with a slap. And at the end of the day, it's way more realistic than that Floyd versus Logan Paul fight. That part. All right, before we get out of here, let's do... uh, NXT in your house predictions. Are you looking forward to this? Uh, I need to look up the car because I have no idea what's going on. And that's why I originally I said in the private chat, let's save it for next week. But if you want, we can do it right now. Why not? Let me just look up the car first. Yeah, my fault. But uh, no, it's just a quick one. It's only five matches because NXT don't overkill. But we got the North American champion, Bronson Reed, and MSK in a winner-take-all six-man tag match with Legado del Fantasma, which is Santos Escobar, Joaquin Wilde, and Raul Mendoza. Who you got? Uh, pass. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to take uh, Bronson Reed and MSK because it's a little too early for them to lose the titles, and I feel like Legado might be ready for Raw. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm going with Bronson Reed, but yeah. Um, Raquel Gonzalez versus Ember Moon. Why is it Raquel Gonzalez? Because, I mean, uh, it's going to be a good match, but it's it's Raquel's time for a while. Yeah, like there's no way Ember Moon's winning that. But you're right. It will be a great match. This one, I hope is good, too. We got Mercedes Martinez versus Zia Lee. It's a wrestling match. I remember that May Young Classic, or not May Young Classic. Yeah, the May Young Classic, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah the well, it's a wrestling, wrestling. Yeah, this is this is a wrestling match, and then you know potential match of the night. I think it will be. Okay, Zia Lee out here. You know she's doing her Hokage, not even Hokage. She's doing that Nine Tails Fox thing with Naruto. So yeah, I mean I, I respect it. Um, I'm looking for Malcolm Bivens to be out here supporting Zyle but uh, uh, me as well, yeah. Anyways, uh, the match I least care for for the million dollar championship Cameron Grimes versus LA Knight. Uh, the winner oh, is anyone who enjoys this. All two of y'all. I don't hate Cameron Grimes, but it's clear that's a that's a main roster personality. Yeah, just for shits and giggles, so to speak, because I, I don't I, I don't like yeah. Cameron. I've never been a fan of Cameron Grimes. It's nothing against him. It's just he yeah. gives me all lives capital. Yeah. Lives. And and LA Knight, I I just don't see it yet. At, like at all. Yeah, like not even NWA. Honestly, he remind me of Barry Horowitz. That's hilarious. Like you just look at him, like yeah, you would have been a jobber to like nineteen ninety two. 
No, nah, he probably would have been over at that time. Maybe because he can talk a little bit. Yeah, no, but, no, uh, he, a lot of these people miss their time period. Like Cameron Grimes would have definitely been straight for uh, mid South wrestling. That or he would have been great in the mid to late two thousands. Him and Carlito would have had classics over the U.S. title. Yeah, I can see that. Um, and we get to the main event: the Puerto Rican Dun Dada Karrion Cross defends his title against Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, and Pete Dunne. What you got? This is an elimination, right? Just a straight up fatal five way. Yep. Sudden death. How the fuck is they going to make that work? They'll make it work. I think it's going to be either it's going to be really good or it's going to be like uh, too much dip on the chip. Yeah, this match, if they hit the right amount of time, it could be great. But this is a match where you can easily go overboard. So I hope they don't go overboard. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of camera angles. It's about to be OD. Uh, Carrying clan cross for the win. Yeah, this looks like something to legitimize him as a champion um, because apparently beating Finn Balor twice didn't work for the audience. Which, but if he if he doesn't go over, that means he's getting called up because I can see him out of everybody else being called up like ASAP. Yeah, um, I mean he has the gimmick for it, and he, he would has, fit he would fit well on Raw. That's what he has the gimmick. Uh, he has the beliefs. Him and Jackson Ryder would be a hell of a tag team. Yep. Yep. That's all we can say about that one right there. Um, AJ Styles would love to have him aboard. Yeah. Uh, he won't be saying that's Cap. He, nah, bring him on, my brother. That's what he would probably say. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'll probably go carrying across here, too. I would love to see Adam Cole go back with it because it just it might better without him Cole but um not across here because I mean you got what the four best tech like you got two of the best technical wrestlers in here and O'Reilly and Dunn you got the most complete wrestler on the on the roster in Gargano and you have Adam Cole the best talker so the thing that's that about this match that been lacking is i mean the build was basically all of last week and this week but cross's promos haven't really wowed me his in-ring work is good i don't want to misrepresent that uh because his his match with balor on nxt was good and on takeover was good so i can't sit here and pretend like he's not good in the ring so we'll see you got five of the best workers five people who can carry him if they can't carry him to a good match, it's time to go to the main roster. I think that's the whole point. Yeah. Like, there's still some stuff you clearly got to work on because uh, shout out to the jobber tiers on this one. They were talking about why NXT people don't work on the main roster, and their main thing was you got to make your character bigger. Vince is all about big, he's about excess. This is Trump's friend, you got to remember. They're all about over the top. Exactly. So, yeah. So, if you can get your character over the top and you can figure out a way to make that thing even bigger, then, hey, man, you got something here. 
But yeah, I think this is an easy one to call. I really hope the Cameron Grimes LA Knight match goes on first. Are we really about to see two mid ladder matches back to back on NXT takeovers? Yes, because that that one with uh non-consensual Devlin was horrible. Yeah. That's the worst, yeah. that's the worst ladder match I've ever seen. And it's not your fault, Santos Escobar. No, not at all. Is it's one hundred percent Jordan Devlin. Like Santos Escobar, I didn't seen you enough to know that you cold as hell. I know who your family is. You cold. But yeah, man. I don't know. I just hope it's some good wrestling. But other than that, that's it. That's it. That's it. I ain't got nothing funny to say. I thought I was gonna have something funny to say. I ain't got nothing funny to say. I got I'm just like it's like Bruce Bruce. <laughs> I don't even right. have no closing joke. I just walk just, off. Look, I'll just, just walk off the stage. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. 